Steve. Hello, everyone. It's nice to see you all. As Steve mentioned, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Craig, and I have the joy of serving you guys along with Steve on staff here at Riverside. I'm amazed at how social media and the internet keeps churning out uh, kitchen hacks, life hacks, uh, all of these videos where you just see how people are making uh, life seem to be a whole lot quicker and shorter and easier for you. And the best thing about it is the amount of content created on debunking those myths. And one thing that this is teaching us is there is no quick fix to so many of the things in our lives. And this is one of the things that we're learning in this series. We want a better life. So many areas in our lives, we're wanting to see greater fruitfulness. We're wanting to see work better, but there isn't going to be a quick fix for us. It's going to be us walking in the way of wisdom. We are doing a series in the book of Proverbs. And the mistake that we can make when we get there is, okay, let me read this proverb as a quick fix to my life, but it doesn't work like that. This is a way of life where we walk in the way of wisdom, but more importantly, God's wisdom. Because what we're reading over and over again is what we're coming into contact with is God's intended best for our lives. And so what we are hoping is when we bring God's word to bear in so many areas in our lives, as we walk in this way, repeatedly taking God's word, hearing it, receiving it, and walking in it, we are going to see fruits in our lives from walking in the way of God's wisdom. See, we're gleaning from what the word of the Lord says, and we're bringing it to bear in our lives. And hopefully with that, growing in our greater self-awareness, growing in our emotional maturity through this, we're going to see just what God's Word does in our lives. This series isn't a life hack. This is speaking to the core of who we are. Jesus wants us to be like Him. He wants us to mature in our faith. And we want to become and grow more and more as a disciple of Jesus. Today's topic, what we're going to look at in Proverbs, is not an easy one. This topic is going to uh, be quite a diagnosis for us. Uh, in fact, uh, it's going to be like holding up a mirror to our lives as we see what uh, Proverbs has to say about how we respond to learning, instruction, and correction rebukes. This is going to reveal a lot about us. And so let's just actually jump straight into it. We're going to read Proverbs 1, 22 through to verse 27 to start us off as we look at how do we handle uh, correction, instruction, discipline, rebuke, and uh, people come and bring this to us. So here it starts in verse 27 of chapter 1, how long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will you mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts on you and I will make known to you my teachings. 
But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, and since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I will turn, in, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm and when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when disaster and trouble overwhelm you. And this you can hear the Lord speaking and what we see very evident in this uh, short passage is a good summary of the life and times of the nation of Israel. We know that God called them and said, come follow me, I'm going to be your God, you are going to be my people. Follow me, I'm going to make you a great nation, I'm going to give you an inheritance, I'm going to give you land, you're going to prosper, all the nations around you are going to look at you and see uh, that I'm your God and they're going to worship me. That was the call that God made to his people. What he did was he said, okay, to help you be my people, I'm going to give you some instructions. I'm going to give you some commands and some laws, and they're going to help you to live. Follow these, and you will do well. What does the nation of Israel, God's people, do to the instructions that he gives them? They don't follow them. For example, one of the commands that he repeatedly gave was don't set up idols for yourself like the nations around you and worship false gods. Don't do that. I am the one true God. Worship me, your creator. And so they would uh, look at the nations. They would see them worshiping false idols. They would set them up for themselves and do what they saw the nations doing, turn away from worshiping God and worship false idols. And so God would respond. He would bring a prophet. Someone would come to them and say, stop what you're doing. You've turned away from the instructions of the Lord. Don't do this. Tear them down, repent, and come back to worship me. The nation of Israel would not listen. Again, they would reject even the warnings that God would send. And so God, in his love and in his grace, would have to bring physical consequences. Often it would be the rising up of a neighbor nation who would come in and they they would military, uh, in military conquest, uh, come and destroy them so that they would feel uh, that physical pain, which would cause them to call out and say, God, why have you done this? And so that would cause them to repent and then eventually tear down the idols and then go back to following God until the cycle repeatedly repeated itself through all of their history. And I look at that and I go, that's me, right? That's me. How many times have I read the instructions of the Lord from his word and not applied it to my life? How many times have someone said to me, Craig, this is going to lead to you having pain and and heartache. Turn away from what you're doing. Hear what the Lord says. And like the nation of Israel who just repeatedly rejects and rejects and rejects, that was me. I remember there was a a very specific incident 
in my life. I was an intern at a church in the town that I grew up in, doing a, like a church internship program, much like uh, what we have here. And things were going really well uh, at the start of that year. I was enjoying the presence of the Lord in daily times of reading uh, God's Word. I was journaling. I felt like He was speaking to me about so many things in my life. And um, I had an older couple who were on staff at church, and they were speaking a lot of wisdom into my life. They were mentoring me through a number of things. And I remember after a couple of weeks going to them and, and having a meeting with them and saying, guys, something has gone wrong. I feel like the Lord has just completely turned away from me. Uh, when I read the Bible, it's dry. I'm feeling uninspired in prayer. Man, just things are, are I don't know why God has stopped. And because they were a very um, gentle, godly, wise couple, they asked this question. They said, Craig, well, what has stopped in your life? What are you doing differently uh, that has caused this change. Why don't you go back, maybe to your last journal entry that things were where things were great and you were feeling, you know, and hearing from the Lord and you were talking about how great everything was. And then why don't you analyze your life to see what's changed in you? I'm 19. How do you think I responded to being told that the problem was most likely me? Uh, you're right, badly. How can the problem be me? How can I be the cause of this? And I responded very badly to their instruction and their wise counsel into my life. And I walked out of that in a big huff. And of course, I'm 19 and male, so I don't go and see them again for some time. And during that time, things got progressively worse. I got uh, progressively more distant from the Lord. Things got more frustrating in a number of areas in my life until I decided to actually do what they said. And lo and behold, the problem was me. And when I actually took to heart what they said and actually reviewed my life and to see how some sin had come in, that I was not acknowledging, that I was not turning away from. It had caused God to distance himself from me, and that whole process caused me to repent and return to the Lord, but in a much more painful way. Because now not only did I have to repent to the Lord, but now I had to repent to some people as well who had spoken so gently and graciously into my life, who I had completely rejected and very rudely walked away from. Look what Proverbs uh, chapter 12 and verse 1 says. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. I love how the Bible can use the word stupid. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. All right, confession time. How many of us love being corrected? Hands up. That's what I thought. <laughs> right, a few of us are liars. The rest of us, no, just. Who loves being corrected by a spouse, a mother-in-law, a, a husband? How many of us were rebuked just this weekend by our, our spouse, by the way we were driving? Right, and how did, how did that go down? 
right? There's something about being corrected, about being rebuked when somebody tells us that we're doing something wrong, that we just want to react with a bit of anger and venom. You know, how dare you say something about the way I drive? You know, when we do something around the house, like we just, man, and it speaks to our very identity if it happens at work. If it's from a boss that we're trying to impress, you think you're doing really well, and then you get some negative feedback, that, that hits us physical pain sometimes in the heart when we get a rebuke, somebody corrects us. This is a, a hard, painful thing that we often get confronted with. But there's a shift that I want us to think about when we think about how to respond to learning, correction, discipline, and rebuke. So Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. As the father, as a father, the son he delights in. Right, that doesn't seem to make much sense, right? The Lord disciplines those he loves. Now in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews picks up on this exact proverb. And from verse 7, it says this, building on this exact argument, endure hardship as discipline. Because God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? For if you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we all have human fathers who discipline us, and we respect them for it. How much more should we submit to the father um, of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Right, so here's the shift that we need to make when we are thinking about discipline, correction, instruction, and rebukes. It's the shift that we have to make is this all comes from God our Father who loves us. That might seem really hard to take in because some of the discipline that you have had, some of the experiences that you've gone through have been painful. But when I read these passages and I see that this shows that I am a legitimate son of God, I'm actually going to say, God, bring on the discipline. Because if I am not experiencing correction in my life, if I'm not experiencing the shaping hand of the Lord in areas of my life where I am weak, there's a problem for me because as the word of the Lord says, he disciplines those he loves. As children of God, it proves that we are true sons and daughters, not illegitimate children. And so I can't see correction as a negative thing. I have to see it as a positive thing coming from God, my Father, who loves me as his child. And what he wants for me is good. What he wants is for me to share in his holiness. 
And so as a good, loving father, he is going to bring correction into my life because he cares about me. Now, one of the mistakes that we can make is to often see our heavenly father through the lens of our earthly father and then make some mistakes about his nature and his character. We know even really great earthly fathers are broken and sinful and so are going to make mistakes in their lives. And I know I'm not a good, a, a perfect father. But when I look at my children, there are some areas in their lives where I can be very harsh. For example, when they're younger around a swimming pool. Parents, some of you have experienced this. Sometimes we really put fear in our children to shape their behavior so that they will be cautious around a swimming pool, around a fire, around a hot plate. You know, my, my children love to cook with me. But there are areas where I am really harsh and I'm very strict because I don't want them to splash themselves with boiling hot oil, Right? So sometimes in my harshness, I am trying to protect them and shape them. And so as fathers, as mothers, as parents, we understand that even sometimes in our, in our sinfulness, we can be harsh. But what's our intention? I want you to be safe. I want you to grow up to be a mature, healthy, contributing person in society. You know, we, we speak about this like, you know, your child at nine o'clock at night, having not uh, struggled to fall asleep, asks you for a Coke. No ways are you going to say yes to that, right? That's just bad. And so we bring discipline. We bring correction. We help shape their behavior to help guide them so that they can mature in their lives. God is exactly the same, except he is our perfect heavenly father who loves us more than what, he, what we will ever know. And his desire is that we share in his holiness. And so he is. He is going to bring things into our lives that are going to bring correction in our character, that are going to make us aware of things, that are going to bring about change in us so that we can reflect him more and more. And I'm so grateful because it proves he loves us and he has the best intentions for us. So guys, think about this shift. When someone is bringing correction into my life, this is coming from a God who loves me as my heavenly father. And this is proving my legitimacy as a son and daughter of my father. Now, God uses people, which is why it's often so painful. And then he can often use our moms, our dads, our wives, our husbands, even mother-in-laws and father-in-laws and, 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 and people who we often react strongly to. But even then, it's because he loves us and wants us to share in his holiness. And so now as we're thinking about that, so we've made this shift to see that discipline, correction, rebuke, uh, these are good things to shape me and to share in God's holiness. Now, how am I going to respond? Proverbs is going to give us two ways in which we can respond to that. And we're going to um, just blaze through a couple of Psalms that are going to show what our responses might be. So Proverbs chapter 9, verses 7, 8, and 9. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs 
abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. Right there, you can start to see, and I'm sure you're picking up the trend in what Proverbs is, is, is giving before us. I can reply, uh, respond to instruction in a wise way. I can hear what they're saying, learn from that, and so uh, become wiser still. Or I can be, as the Psalms are saying, a mocker or the wicked by actually insulting the person in various ways who is bringing the correction to my life. Proverbs 13, verse 1. A wise son heeds his father's instructions, but a mocker does not respond to rebukes. Proverbs 17, 10. A rebuke impresses a discerning person more than a hundred lashes a fool. Proverbs 19, 25. Flog a mocker. And the simple will learn prudence, but rebuke the discerning and they will gain knowledge. Proverbs 25, 20, listen to advice and accept discipline. And in the end, you will be counted among the wise. Proverbs 29, 1, whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Now, I could have added another 20-odd more uh, Proverbs that give us the mirror. How do I respond when someone brings correction to my life? When somebody points out a fault, points out a weakness in my character, how do I respond? Do I respond in the way of wisdom? Do I hear it? Do I reflect on it? Do I change according to it, and so am more wise, more discerning, have gained knowledge, and am a better person because of it? Or do I respond like the mocker, the fool, the wicked, by rejecting it, by insulting the person, by scorning the person who's bringing that instruction? We have those paths, always that choice, whenever somebody points out a fault in our lives. And so before us is the opportunity today to actually go, well, I'm going to rethink about the way that I'm going forward in this, especially thinking through that shift about what correction actually is, a gift from our Father who loves me. You see, because what we really want for every single one of us here is to take the way of wisdom, is to actually go and see that this is a gift from God and that I'm going to hear it. I'm going to respond accordingly and learn from it so that I am counted among the wise. Because the wise listen to advice. The wise can hear an instruction as painful as it is. They can hear correction and then bring it into their lives and live it out. See, when we can look inside ourselves, when we can grow in self-awareness and say, yes, you are right. I was wrong. I have a a character deficiency there. I need your counsel. I'm going to walk in this way. We are then going to grow, and we're going to actually be sharing in God's holiness. We are going to be coming more like Christ. 
My wife and I, you know, for example, we did this when we were getting married. We went and we sought out wise counsel. And for a number of weeks before we got married, we sat under people who had been married for a much longer time than us, who had had children, their children loved the Lord and were serving the Lord. And we sat and we learned from them how they run their finances, how they raised their kids, how they ran their households, how they uh, dealt with conflict, how they sorted out issues uh, in their lives. And, you know, for that reason, we wanted to have a strong marriage. And so what we did was we sought out wise counsel in that area. Some of it was painful because we realized to get there, there's going to have to be changes that we're going to need to make in our lives and in our character. But if you're experiencing difficulties in an area in your life, the way of wisdom is there before you. My hope is for the men in the room that you want to be better husbands. For the fathers in the room, you want to be better dads. And that doesn't just happen watching an internet hack video. That happens when we submit our lives to the Word of God and go, I'm going to hear what this says, I'm going to read it, but then I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to find men who have been married to their wives longer than me, who've loved their wives longer than me, and figure out how they do that. I'm going to see men who seem to have great relationships with their kids, and I'm going to sit under them and go, teach me how to be a better dad. And hopefully the same is for wives and mothers in this room that we're going to look and go, actually, I want to be better. I want to love my husband more. So I'm going to find someone and say, help me. How do you live out God's word in your life so that I can love my husband better, that I can raise my kids better? You know, if you want to honor God in your business, if you want to be making better financial decisions with your work and honoring God, find someone who is better, who has gone further down the road with greater success and learn, sits with the wise so that we can become wise. Here, when they say, maybe you're doing this wrong and this wrong and this wrong, maybe try this, this, and this and go, thank you, Jesus, for bringing some correction to my life and then walking in that way. You know, when we read the Hebrews passage, it spoke about how painful correction can be. But if we don't go down that road, it's going to be painful anyway. See, the only difference in pain is that when we hear correction, it's only painful for a short time. And then it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for anyone who walks in that way. I love this quote by uh, Henry Cloud. It says this, If the chief descriptor of the, of the wise person is that when the light shows up, he looks at it, he receives it, joins it, adjusts his behavior to align with the light. The fool does the opposite. He rejects the feedback, resists it, explains it away, and does nothing to adjust to meet it its requirements. He's never wrong. Someone else's. Now, what's interesting is uh, variations of the word fool comes up 112 times in the book of Proverbs. 112 times. And uh, there's a, an organization called Think Theology, and one of its contributors, uh, Phil Moore, 
gives a good outline of all the various iterations of what the full means in Proverbs, and I find it's quite helpful in looking at this. So it doesn't mean someone who lacks mental ability, but rather someone who lacks moral humility. A fool is not a good-hearted person who fails to grasp God's will with his head, but it's a rebellious person who refuses to submit to God with his heart. It can mean simple or gullible or naive, anyone weak-minded enough to fall into flattery and temptation. It means a mocker or a scoffer and describes the person who refuses to take the truth or advice of wise counselors seriously. Can mean a stupid person, but again, not one whose deficiency is head capacity, but heart humility. It can mean a sluggard, a slacker, or a waster. Anyone whose problem isn't a lack of mental capacity, but sheer laziness. He craves the same thing as the wise, but he makes excuses to put off actions until tomorrow. And then when he finally pries himself out of bed and leaves the house, he quickly complains that the road to success is too costly for him to travel. What I love about this is when we hear fool, we can make a mistake in how we think that it has to do with uh, our head capacity, but it has to do with a refusal to submit our hearts to what God is calling us to. That's what makes us a fool. To see that there is a loving Father who wants you to share in His holiness, who loves you so much that He's going to bring painful correction that if we hear it and follow in it, it's going to result in a harvest of righteousness and peace. Only the fool will say in his heart, I don't want that from you, God, and reject that and walk away. The cost on that person's personal life, on that person's family, on all his relationships are going to end in destruction when the fool does not submit his heart to the Lord and submits to his instructions, which are there to bring us life. But the wise hear the words of the Lord. The wise submit themselves in their hearts to the instructions of the Lord. And as hard as it can be, walk in that way. And so church, what decisions are we going to take coming from this place? Are we going to be like the fool that will not submit its heart to the Lord? Or are we going to be counted among the wise in how we learn and grow and take correction because it is actually a gift from the Lord who wants us to share in his holiness? I'm going to lead us through a time of prayer as we quieten our hearts and actually think through a response to this. The first thing that I want us to consider is again today, that there might be some of you that have actually never experienced what Scripture's been talking about as God being my Father. That you wouldn't consider yourself a son or a daughter, and the wisest thing that you could possibly do today is actually go, God, I've never entered into a relationship with you at all. 
and that would be a foreign thing to you. And I just want to say that opportunity is here for you today. When the service is over, you can just come grab a seat at the front and someone from a prayer team will appropriately connect with you and actually help you in how to move from being an illegitimate child to be counted as a child of God this morning. And that invitation is there for you. And so with that, God, I want to thank you that you invite us to be sons and daughters. You invite us into a relationship with you now, here. And so, Father God, I want to just pray for anyone who is realizing that they don't have that. And God, help them to make that decision. And we ask that you would encourage them to take that step. Then the next thing I want us to think through is a prayer of repentance. A repentance in how we have rejected instruction, correction from people. And we've been angry and and, and hurt people in our lives because we haven't heeded their instruction. And so if that's you, maybe just as a posture of response, just put your hands out to the Lord and, and just pray with me as we say this. God, there have been times in my life where I have rejected the instruction and the counsel of others. As a result, God, I have hurt people in my life. God, I've actually rejected you as my father And so, God, I want to humble myself before you and say, God, I want to actually receive correction. God, I want to be shaped. I want to be molded more like you. And so, God, I repent of all those times where I have rejected how you have wanted me to share in your holiness by becoming more like your son through the wisdom and counsel and instruction of others. And so, God, I repent of that. And then... Uh, you can also just respond by opening up your eyes. God, help me to walk in the way of wisdom. God, help me to have a soft heart to receive instructions well from people, to see that as a gift from a father who loves me, and to see that as you wanting to shape me so that I can be more like your son and so share in your holiness. God, help me to receive that well in your incredible name. Amen.